Welcome back to the Sports Lawyers Association podcast. Whether you work for a team, on the field, the ice, a court, track, or a diamond, our association gives you an opportunity to grow. You're listening to episode number three, Ray Anderson, the versatile sports lawyer. Ray Anderson is currently the athletic director at Arizona State University and the 2019 Michael Wiener Sports Lawyers Association Award of Excellence recipient along with Mark Rogers, a member of the Sports Lawyers Association Board of Directors. Sit back and enjoy this episode of the Sports Lawyers Association podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Rogers. I am a member of the Sports Lawyers Association, longtime member, and a member of our Board of Directors. I am more than pleased and honored today to have with us Ray Anderson, who is now currently the athletic director at Arizona State University, but has quite a diverse background in the field of, quote, sports law. Ray was our 2019 Michael Weiner Award of Excellent recipient, and we have quite a criteria for that. I was in the room the day it was voted on, and I will tell you that the one area that we focused on with Ray and that resonated with all of us about Ray was that the candidate must, and I'm reading now from our criteria, the candidate must be regarded as a person with high integrity and ethics and possesses the qualities held in highest regard by those in the field of sports law. And our guest today epitomizes that. Previous winners of that award, people you all know, Marvin Miller, Paul Tagliabue, Bud Steely, Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Colangelo, Don Fear, just to name a few. So Ray uh, Ray joined quite a prestigious um, group of recipients of our award. Ray, welcome to our podcast for the Sports Lawyers Association. Happy to be here, Mark. Always a pleasure to speak and get a chance to visit with you. And uh, thank you for the kind introduction and uh, certainly the, the recent award named after Michael Weiner that I would be one of the uh, folks honored uh, with the other names you mentioned was uh, very special to me this summer. So I want to appreciate you and the Sports Lawyers Association again for that. Delighted to join you. That's great. And uh, it was really an honor to have you um, at our convention this year, uh, our seminar in, in Arizona and have you received the award. I will tell you, it's an, I know it's an exciting time right now at Arizona State University as you all start a, a new school year and um, can't imagine what it's like to have to manage and run 26 varsity programs, but you now in your sixth year, you seem to be doing a great job doing. It has to be a really exciting time for you at Arizona State. Well, there's no question. Uh, today's the first day of school and when you get to your 26 varsity sports, your 600 and something student athletes uh, returning to campus in full training and development mode, but also ready to get back into the class. It's very exciting to see the campus abuzz. And it's only 112 or 13 degrees today, so that makes it a little challenging. But nevertheless, it's really exciting to get back for the 2019 academic and athletic uh, year. It's, it's, there's a lot of buzz out here in Tempe, Arizona, and we're, we're really happy to be back at it. Well, that's awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on today. And, I, and a lot of the people listening will know a little bit about your background. For those, of those, those who don't, um, I just want to quickly update them on who you are. Um, and, and what you've done to get here to Arizona State University in the 2019. But a graduate of Stanford where you played football and baseball, 1976 graduate of Stanford, went on to Harvard Law School, graduated in 1979, started out with a big law firm, Kilpatrick and Cody, after graduating from law school, then went to Heller and Ehrman where you started their sports law practice. I remember you, you know, so vividly in our business. I, I represent players as well as a sports agent, but as an attorney as well. 22 years in our business representing not only football players 
and baseball players, but lots of coaches. And we'll get back to how that turned out to be ironic for you. And then you went on to the Atlanta Falcons, where you were the executive vice president for four years. And uh, the NFL swooped in and took you away and made you their executive vice president of football operations, where you were for eight years before Arizona State chose you as their new athletic director. And now going into your sixth year, and uh, again, we talked about 26 varsity sports. Ray, I have to ask you, what in your legal background, whether it was your legal education or working at a big firm for a while, what in, in, in that background prepared you to work for the Falcons, the NFL, and Arizona State University as the athletic director? Well, I think the capacity to listen uh, and understand that you have to be open-minded to various perspectives and not get honed in on just one thought, one way of doing things, one particular mode of operation. So as much as anything, the, the legal background, I think, gave me the opportunity to be adaptable and flexible in terms of how you think and how you approach things. Uh, and the lawyer in me, uh, I think, has always served me well during my journey in terms of just thinking more broadly, intelligently, uh, hopefully evaluating unintended consequences. And that openness of thinking, I think, has been the best thing for me. Oh, that's great. You know, Ray, in a lot of ways, you and I were kind of out there in the inception when the, when sports law practices really blew up, when when firms, agencies blew up and, and really became part of the landscape of, of professional and all kinds of sports. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to the role that you see sports lawyers today, obviously having worked for the Falcons in the NFL, you saw a lot of sports lawyers. But as the athletic director of Arizona State University and you look out over the landscape, how do sports lawyers impact you and, and your programs and your athletes at Arizona State? Well, I don't think there is any question that the rigor of the, the study of law and the appreciation of the fact that it, it touches everything we do really helps. So you've got the HR stuff, you got the vendor stuff, you got the sponsorship contracts, you got the, uh, the donor pledge forms, you've got uh, second season ticket contracts, you've got coaching contracts, you go on and on and on. Law has a relationship to everything you do at some level uh, in running an athletic department and running the front office of a sports organization or a, a commissioner's office, et cetera. It just, uh, it, it weaves through everything. Every day, there's something that sports lawyers and sports law touches here on our university, particularly in my capacity as the athletic director. Again, you got 26, you got 615, which means you got all the personnel supporting all the facilities, uh, all the security needs, all of the consultant needs. Embedded in all that is some sports law and lawyer skill set. Ray, I'm curious, how many lawyers work in the in the athletic department or for the athletic department at Arizona State, not not just you, but how many more lawyers are involved in the day-to-day -day operations of what you do? Well, you know, we work uh, jointly with their Office of General Counsel on the university campus, and, and they have a slew uh, of lawyers, uh, uh, trained lawyers in our administration staff. Uh, we've got four lawyers who are administrators as well as sports administrators. And so, Four who are trained as lawyers, our lawyers per se, are, are with the general counsel's office. Okay. So let's go back, Ray. Let's go back to, you're at Harvard Law School. And I don't know if when you played at Stanford or when you went to Harvard, if you dreamed about or aspired 
to work in the area of sports at any level. But take us back for those listening today who are in law school or thinking about going to law school or just graduated or thinking about getting into our profession, one of our professions. Uh, tell, tell us about your roots and, and, and how you got into, uh, quote, sports law. Well, when I was at uh, Harvard Law School, I, I always knew from the age of nine I wanted to be a lawyer just because of my own personal circumstances with uh, my family. I just uh, had to identify it early on. I wanted to be a lawyer. Once I got to uh, law school, I really was drawn to labor law. My first year that uh, one of our professors, Paul Weiler, I took a seminar uh, and it was on sports, labor law as it relates to sports matters. And that is when I first started to focus on sports as something I would want to do as a lawyer. Uh, and then my second year, uh, I took a summer clerkship at a firm called Kilpatrick & Cody in Atlanta. And they just happened to represent, unbeknownst to me until I got there, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and also did a lot of work for the uh, historically black uh, universities there in the city, Clark, Spelman, Morehouse, uh, and so I was assigned to those cases. And so that was my first intro, uh, the Falcons, and then also doing some stuff for the colleges there. As a young labor summer intern, that it really struck me that this is something that made sense to me. Uh, and that's really how I started to uh, get more involved uh, in pursuing uh, sports law. And then once I was at my firm in Atlanta, uh, I decided to go back home to the West Coast, so joined a firm, Heller Ehrman in San Francisco, and was able, while I was there, uh, to convince the management committee, and uh, jointly with another young associate, to allow us to begin uh, trying to build a sports law practice. And so that's how I kind of got involved, and then it just escalated from there. And then tell me, when you left the big law firm, you went really kind of went out on your own. Um, how did that? How did that happen? And how did that transition go for you? Well, through the Sports Lawyers Association, uh, I met uh, Steve Fryer and Jack Sands, who at the time uh, owned a firm called uh, Sports Advisors Group out of Boston. Uh, and literally through the Sports Lawyers Association, at one of our meetings, I met Jack uh, Sands and Steve, and then we became acquainted and became friends. And then they determined they wanted to open up a West Coast branch of Sports Advisors. So I left my law firm uh, and, and started the West Coast branch of that smaller firm. Uh, and that's when I uh, really realized that I wanted to do this full time. And so was with them for four or five years and then decided and had the opportunity to break off and start my own firm, AR Sports, because we wanted to do it our way. And that's how I got started. But my first opportunity to leave the big traditional corporate firm to do something a little more uh, specific in terms of the agency business was launched uh, through my relationships and meetings that I developed at the Sports Lawyers Association meeting. Well, I was going to ask you what kind of impact the Sports Lawyers Association had on your career. I think you uh, anticipated the question and already answered it. That's, uh, I think we tell a lot of people that, 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 that if you want to network, uh, the Sports Lawyers Association is the, is the place to be because exactly your story has been repeated, as you know, dozens and dozens of times by others who have met, met different people and end up working with them or for them or, or getting connections through them. Yeah, there's no question about it. At, at every juncture, I have met uh, or been involved with someone uh, who was also involved with the Sports Lawyers Association at the Falcons, at the league office, here, uh, and everywhere you go, there is going to be a connection back to the Sports Lawyers Association 
because there is no more reputable and broadly attended group in this industry than the sports lawyers. And I, I applaud all of you who have for years been committed and served as board members because it's the real deal. Well, Ray, we appreciate that. Uh, you know, going on with your career. So you're one of the most successful sports agents in the business. You've got a bunch of coaches and baseball players and football players. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes the Atlanta Falcons. Tell me how that happens, because because we, we try to explain to people that the, the sports lawyers are such a diverse really undefinable term. If you're a lawyer and you do anything that related to sports, you're a quote sports lawyer. But how did how did the Falcons happen and how did the NFL happen behind that? Well, the Falcons, uh, uh, when Arthur Blank first fought the team, 2002, I think it was Joe Bailey at Russell Reynolds was doing the search. Uh, and they had instructed him to look outside the traditional uh, hiring line for someone to come in and be a uh, contract negotiator, a salary cap manager, a chief administrative officer. And uh, I had known Joe Bailey, and Joe uh, is the one who reached out to say, you know, there's an opportunity to get in on management with a essentially a startup owner and think you'd be a, a good candidate for the position. Will you at least talk to them? And indeed, Jack Mills, my good buddy and one of our uh, long-term sports advisor members and sports lawyers association members, I should say, and board members, uh, really encouraged me because he knew Bobby Bethard was also a consultant to Arthur Blank at the time and putting together a senior staff uh, and really made a push and convinced me that you should take a look at it. That's how I first had my intro to Arthur Blank uh, and the Falcons. And then uh, he, very frankly, presented an opportunity to go into upper level management of an NFL team. Uh, and that, those are opportunities that a lot of minorities like myself had never really gotten a chance to do in any uh, regular basis. So I determined that that was something I needed to do. And so I was able to do that and had a great four-year experience that. And then uh, the, the, the league office was in need of a EVP or senior vice president of football operations. Uh, and it was kind of the same thing. Folks who I had uh, met and spent time with. In this case, uh, John Beek, uh, who used to be the former general manager of the Denver Broncos, was involved with the NFL Europe. And they asked John to be involved in the search for the position. And John Beek reached out and said, Ray, you're, you're, you're an ideal candidate. Check it out. And I did. And so I ended up with the league office for eight years as uh, head of football operations. Just, you know, just opportunities presented themselves with people who were uh, confident and would vouch for you and, in fact, really go advocate for you. Uh, and so I was very fortunate. But no doubt the fact that I was open to to change uh, if it made sense uh, and had no fear uh, of moving to bigger and better things, if you will, made it possible for me to do that. Yeah. And you know what? You've been a trailblazer for minorities opening doors. I mean, obviously, uh, to spend a a maverick and the way you've represented yourself and your constituencies has really opened the door for others. It's uh, it's to be applauded. Ray, I got to ask you something in a million years when you were representing Herman Edwards as his, as, who was an NFL head coach and you were his agent. Did you ever in a million years think that someday he would be your head coach when you were the athletic director at Arizona State University? You, you could have not have envisioned or imagined that. And even more, uh, interesting for us is that you probably know that about six, seven weeks ago, we named Marvin Lewis as our special uh, advisor to Sun Devil Athletics. So uh, between Marvin, Herman, and I, and I represented Marvin as well, 
uh, and I'm on, in my office and I'm looking at a picture of the three of us that was taken in 2001, 2002, when Herman was the head coach of the Jets and Marvin was a defensive coordinator at the Ravens. Uh, and we're in uh, the Ravens stadium, the three of us in a picture. And, and so we now chuckle at each other because here we are, are, you know, now 2019, all working together in the college environment, trying to bring Arizona State uh, to real relevance. And we're doing it together. You could not have envisioned that under any circumstances. Yeah. And who negotiated their contracts? <laughs> well, I, I, I did as a professional. Uh, they had their own folks uh, uh, on this end. Phil DePiciato at Octagon, my good friend, represents both of them. So uh, he negotiated with our folks. I don't do that with any of my coaches, certainly not our uh, coaches where I happen to know folks. You know what I mean? It's called, yeah. hey, this called, is, I, called conflict. I wouldn't do that. I hear you. And, and you know what? Our esteemed board member, who is is one of the icons in sports law education and just a great man, Ken Shropshire. I ran into Ken at the uh, this year's this year's conference, and he told me he actually negotiated your contract. Hey, I'm telling you, sports lawyers is all over my life. Uh, <laughs> Ken, Ken negotiated my contract when I went to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and then he negotiated my contract when I went to the NFL, and then he negotiated my contract when I came here to Arizona State. And he was so impressive in the work he did. Uh, with our president and our general counsel here, uh, that it became very clear that we needed to end up recruiting Ken Shropshire uh, to end up at ASU and lead our Global Sports Institute, a brand new program. And as you know now, Ken Shropshire is the uh, executive director and distinguished professor at our ASU Adidas Global Sports Institute at Arizona State University. It's a small world, man. Yeah, you knew exactly what you were doing, Ray. I know I know how you work. I've seen you in action. Yeah, got it. We got got, you. Yeah, you get lucky every now and then, you know? Well, hey, listen, it, we you know what? You've you've had you've had such a great career, and I know there's a whole lot in front of you. I, I, I appreciate your time. I have one more question. Um I know I have a lot of aspiring sports lawyers who are listening to this and, and and young men and ladies who are in law school. Just if if and you probably get asked this question all the time, but I'm gonna ask you for the podcast. So if you, give, if you had to give them a piece of advice, they want to get into sports law practice of some sort or get into sports law, what would be your piece of advice for them? Real simple. Cast a wide net. Don't have a uh, predetermined path, if you will. If you want to get in, you got to get in and then uh, take advantage of the opportunity and the opening. So, you know, young folks come in. I want to be a general manager of a football team. Well, so does, uh, you know, a thousand other folks, but uh, be willing to go work for an association or major league soccer or uh, basketball, wherever you have an opportunity legitimately to get in to expand your skill set, because it is in many cases transferable. Take that opportunity, be mobile, be flexible. Don't focus in on just one or two paths and, and then uh, drive yourself to disappointment and, and then fall out. Just be, be ready to move, ready to be flexible ready to be adaptable, ready to take some risk and get after it. Yeah, well, you know what, Ray, that's great advice from somebody who not only talked the talk, but obviously is walking the walk. We couldn't be more um, pleased and proud to have you on our podcast and wish you and the folks at Arizona State the best of luck this year. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. And to all of our members and potential members out there, uh, have great seasons and uh, be well. Thanks for tuning in today. 
Feel free to share your thoughts with us on Twitter at Sports Lawyers. Or find us on Facebook and LinkedIn and be sure to be on the lookout for more podcasts. 